Welcome to the evening episode of Honey in the Rock. We hope you've had a great day and we've got a great show ahead for you. Stick with us. This evening's episode is titled Ahab and Jehoshaphat Go Up to Ramoth Gilead. It shall be focused on the study of 2nd Chronicles chapter 17 and 18. Before we go any further, we'll begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for a man like Micah who stood on your word regardless of the opposition of that day. He did not care what the rest of the prophets were prophesying according to what they felt in their wisdom to be right. But Father, he sought after your word and compared it with the rest of the scripture to recognize the prophecy that had gone forth of Elijah. And Father, he waited to hear what you would command him to say. and said surely I will speak nothing except that which the Lord God puts in our mouths father may that be our testimony we humbly ask that today that any of us not do anything or say anything except we hear thus saith the Lord in our lives so father we only seek to do thy will and thy will only may you take out all our ideas and all our thoughts and everything that we have and may we solely commit to accomplishing your will in the name of Jesus Christ we pray amen up next we shall listen to second chronicles chapter 17 and 18 chapter 17 and jehoshaphat his son reigned in his stead and strengthened himself against israel and he placed forces in all the fenced cities of judah and set garrisons in the land of judah and in the cities of ephraim which Asa his father had taken. And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat, because he walked in the first ways of his father David, and sought not unto Baalim, but sought to the Lord God of his father, and walked in his commandments, and not after the doings of Israel. Therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand, and all Judah brought to Jehoshaphat presents, and he had riches and honor in abundance. And his heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord, Moreover he took away the high places and groves out of Judah. Also in the 3rd year of his reign he sent to his princes even to Benhail and to Obadiah and to Zechariah and to Nathanael and to Micaiah to teach in the cities of Judah. And with them he sent Levites even Shemaiah and Nethaniah and Zebadiah and Azahel and Shemiramoth and Jehonathan and Adonijah and Tobijah and Tobadonijah Levites and with them Elishama and Jehoram priests and they taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them and went about throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people and the fear of the Lord fell upon all the kingdoms of the lands that were round about Judah so that they made no war against Jehoshaphat also some of the Philistines brought Jehoshaphat presents and tribute silver and the Arabians brought him flocks 7700 rams and 7700 he goats and Jehoshaphat waxed great exceedingly and he built in Judah castles and cities of store and he had much business in the cities of Judah and the men of war mighty men of valor were in Jerusalem and these are the numbers of them according to the house of their fathers of Judah the captains of thousands Adna the chief and with him mighty men of valor 300000 And next to him was Jehohanan the captain 
and with him 204 score thousand. And next him was Amasiah, the son of Zichri, who willingly offered himself unto the Lord, and with him 200,000 mighty men of valor. And of Benjamin, Eliada, a mighty man of valor, and with him armed men with bow and shield, 200,000. And next him was Jehozabad, and with him an hundred and fourscore thousand, ready prepared for the war. These waited on the king, beside those whom the king put in the fenced cities throughout all Judah. Chapter 18 Now Jehoshaphat had riches and honor in abundance, and joined affinity with Ahab. And after certain years, he went down to Ahab to Samaria. And Ahab killed sheep and oxen for him in abundance, and for the people that he had with him, and persuaded him to go up with him to Ramoth-Gilead. And Ahab, king of Israel, said unto Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, Wilt thou go with me to Ramoth-Gilead? And he answered him, I am as thou art, and my people as thy people, and we will be with thee in the war. And Jehoshaphat said unto the king of Israel, Inquire, I pray thee, at the word of the Lord today. Therefore the king of Israel gathered together of prophets four hundred men, and said unto them, Shall we go to Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And they said, Go up, for God will deliver it into the king's hand. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides, that we might inquire of him? And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him, for he never prophesied good unto me, but always evil. The same is Micaiah, the son of Imlah. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. And the king of Israel called for one of his officers, and said, Fetch quickly Micaiah, the son of Imlah. And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, sat either of them on his throne, clothed in their robes. And they sat in a void place at the entering in of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets prophesied before them. And Zedekiah, the son of Canaanah, had made him horns of iron, and said, Thus saith the Lord, With these thou shalt push Syria, until they be consumed. And all the prophets prophesied so, saying, Go up to Ramoth-Gilead, and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it into the hand of the king. And the messenger that went to call Micaiah spake to him, saying, Behold, the words of the prophets declare good to the king with one assent. Let thy word, therefore, I pray thee, be like one of theirs, and speak thou good. And Micaiah said, As the Lord liveth, even what my God saith, that will I speak. And when he was come to the king, the king said unto him, Micaiah, shall we go to Ramoth-Gilead to battle, or shall I forbear? And he said, Go ye up and prosper, and they shall be delivered into your hand. And the king said to him, How many times shall I adjure thee, that thou say nothing but the truth to me in the name of the Lord? Then he said, I did see all Israel scattered upon the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let them return, therefore, every man to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell thee that he would not prophesy good unto me, but evil? Again he said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting upon his throne, and all the host of heaven standing on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who shall entice Ahab, king of Israel, that he may go up and fall at Ramoth-Gilead? And one spake, saying after this manner, and another saying after that manner. Then there came out a spirit, and stood before the Lord, and said, I will entice him. And the Lord said unto him, Wherewith? 
And he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, Thou shalt entice him, and thou shalt also prevail. Go out and do even so. Now therefore behold, the Lord hath put a lying spirit in the mouth of these thy prophets, and the Lord hath spoken evil against thee. Then Zedekiah the son of Canaanah came near, and smote Micaiah upon the cheek, and said, Which way went the Spirit of the Lord from me to speak unto thee? And Micaiah said, Behold, thou shalt see on that day when thou shalt go into an inner chamber to hide thyself. Then the king of Israel said, Take ye Micaiah, and carry him back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus saith the king, Put this fellow in the prison, and feed him with bread of affliction, and with water of affliction, until I return in peace. And Micaiah said, If thou certainly return in peace, then hath not the Lord spoken by me. And he said, Hearken, all ye people. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat the king of Judah went up to Ramoth-Gilead, and the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and will go to the battle, but put thou on thy robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself, and they went to the battle. Now the king of Syria had commanded the captains of the chariots that were with him, saying, Fight ye not with small or great, save only with the king of Israel. And it came to pass, when the captains of the chariots saw Jehoshaphat, that they said, It is the king of Israel. Therefore they compassed about him to fight. But Jehoshaphat cried out, and the Lord helped him, and God moved them to depart from him. For it came to pass, that when the captains of the chariots perceived that it was not the king of Israel, they turned back again from pursuing him. And a certain man drew a bow at a venture, and smote the king of Israel between the joints of the harness. Therefore he said to his chariot man, Turn thine hand, that thou mayest carry me out of the host, for I am wounded. And the battle increased that day. Howbeit the king of Israel stayed himself up in his chariot against the Syrians until the even. And about the time of the sun going down, he died. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled Paradox. This was preached in 1964 on February the 6th. We'll begin at paragraph 148 up to paragraph 245. I trust you find it to be a blessing. Wasn't it a strange thing? In the days that when King Ahab was king and, and uh, uh, Judea, uh, and uh, Israel rather, and, and Jehoshaphat the righteous man, king of Judea, of Judah, and they made an alliance. There how a believer can get connected with a, with a make-believer. Sometimes man gets in that kind of a fix today. Mix themselves up with people who don't believe the word. And yet they're bound into them with such ties that they can't get out. They're afraid to accept it. I admire your brother's courage. You don't have to have that interpreted, see? see? When they deny, it won't have nothing to do with it, get it away. And yet you'll step right out and sponsor. See? I admire a man like that. Yeah? You're not afraid of the Caesars and the commandments. Yeah. Believers being hooked up with make-believers. 
And Jehoshaphat did that when he went out to Ahab, that lukewarm, borderline believer. Thought more of the social things of the world, his wife's fine hairdos and things, than he did of God. Give in to her. And we find out that Israel was a very type of this nation then. How they went over and took the occupants out and occupied and had great men like uh, David and Solomon. But finally, there rose up a fellow like Ahab. But in the days of Ahab is when the prophet came on the scene. God always manifests His Word. And we find out then that this nation has done the same. We come in, drove out the Indians and occupied, and we had a Washington and a Lincoln. But where are we getting to now? But God can still raise up prophets. He's able of these stones to rise children to Abraham when His Word requires it. Malachi said we would have it, and we'll have it. It'll be here. Don't you worry. His Word will be fulfilled. Notice, Micah was down in the country, and Ahab, to kind of make a shine to the country, he had 400 Hebrew prophets down there. Great organization of them. There's all well-dressed, fine-dressed, educated, scholarly man. Hebrew prophets. Now, not heathens. Hebrew prophets. Jehoshaphat made this alliance. I think it all things works together. The symphony is just beating out the beat. So, uh, he made an alliance to go up, take the king of Eden and go on up into the land and take the Syrians because it seemed very good. And Jehoshaphat fell on the idea of being a godly man and said, we should consult the Lord, shouldn't we? I said, that's right. Excuse me. I should have thought of that. Yeah, I got a seminary down here. Got the best there is in the country. Most scholarly, they can say, amen, the prettiest you ever heard. See? We go down and get them. Bring them up. Let them prophesy. Here come the prophets all up. Well, fine dressed man, fine cultured, educated to the dot. They know it all. They're Greek, Hebrew, and all. See? They come up, and they all prophesied, and they had a right to prophesy. They said, go on up. What's the matter? That land up there belongs to Israel. And that's true. Joshua gave it to us. God gave it and Joshua divided it. And our children are going hungry and the Philistines' bellies are filled with the wheat that's raised on that country. They was absolutely on the word when it come to that. But they had sinned and lost that land. They lost it. It absolutely wasn't theirs then. But accordingly, if you want to go back to the foundation, it did belong to them. And then prophets were right. They said, go on up, the Lord's with you. But you know when a man's really, like I said last night about Joseph, being a just man, there's something that didn't ring a bell with Jehoshaphat. He was a righteous man. He said, haven't you got one more? One more and we got the whole seminary here? The best we got in the country, Hebrew prophets, and they're telling exactly, look how close they are on the Word. There's, the Word said that this land belongs to us. We got a right to go get it. But Jesus told the devil the same thing. He said, it's also written. That's what they failed to see. That's what made them disbelieve Jesus. It's also written. A virgin shall conceive. They failed to see that. So when they said, go on up. The Lord is with you. He'll give you the victory. Because it belongs to us. It's, it's in the name of the Lord. Here it is. But it didn't ring the bell. Jophet said, have you got one more that you might consult? He said, yes, there's another, but I hate him. 
The association won't receive him. Mm-hmm. We won't have nothing to do with him. He's Micah, the son of Imlan. So don't let the king say so, said Jehoshaphat. Go get him. So then they sent a forerunner and said, Micah, you want to come back into the fellowship again? See? Just say the same thing. The rest of them saying, this is your opportunity now. You agree with the organization, all the rest of them. They'll bring you back. See, and you'll be in fellowship. You can have your campaigns all around the country then. He said, as the Lord God lives, I'll only say what he puts in my mouth. We need some Micahs. He said, I'll see what God says about it first. If he wants me to go back in here again. So he said, give me tonight. Let me see what the Lord will say. And that night, the Lord showed him a vision. He compared his vision with the word. <laughs> that was right. <laughs> So go on up, but I seen Israel like sheep scattered, having no shepherd. So then the one, the high priest of the, of the ecumenical council leader, come up and smacked him in the mouth and said, "Where the spirit of God go when it left me?" He said, "You'll see." That day when you're sitting inside, he said, "Where did it go?" And he said, "He said I saw God sitting upon a throne. I saw the host of heaven gathered around him, and there." God's prophet, the word always comes to the prophet. No matter how unpopular it seems to be, it's always there. And the reason they know it is, it makes it so that what the man speaks comes to pass. God said then, that's proves it. Then a prophet means not only to speak the word, but also to foretell and a divine interpreter of the word, divine word written. The word came to the prophet. And this is the complete revelation of Jesus Christ. This is the revelation, the Bible. It's revealing Jesus Christ. See? And now when the prophet came on the scene then and could foretell things and it happened exactly like that, God said, remember, I'm with him, man. Then when he revealed the word, what the other prophet had said before him, it come to pass then they know that was true. That still remains God's way of doing it. He never changes his way. See? Remember, the great, great groups tried to change that, but he didn't do it. Here's one we're talking of now. And they had a right. But Elijah had told Ahab, See, Israel had accepted the wrong man who had made them organizations and had turned down the true word. He said, I seen God and a council was held. And he said, who can we get to go down to deceive Ahab? He said, a lying spirit come up, probably from hell. He said, I'll go down and get into those prophets and cause them to prophesy a lie. Hebrew prophets that was looking right at the word. See? But the, what Elisha said was blinded to them. They thought he was a crank too. Amen. Yeah. But when Micah went under the Spirit, he saw exactly what the real prophet had said. That was the chance. That was it. To do it. And them Hebrews was right on there. So was the Hebrews right in what they were saying about Jesus Christ. Yeah. But it was according to their shadow that they were walking in. It's the glare of another day, not the light of that day. Could the history repeat itself again? The Bible says it does. Now we find out that there was... It's strange that God chose this one little uneducated, unaffiliated with Him to show and bring those people the Word instead of that school. A fine, cultured, educated man. Smart. He chose Micah. That's a paradox. Sure was. And it happened just the way Micah said it would happen because he had the word of the Lord. It's always been that way. Yes, sir. John the Baptist was another one. You know, we don't have very much record of where prophets come from so far. Spiritual man. See, man picked man. 
like they picked Matthias and so, to take uh, Judas's place. We don't hear very much about him. God chose Paul. See? See, that was God's choosing and the church's choosing. See? And the same thing, men who are filled with the Spirit are usually men who try to run from the thing. Get away from it. They don't want to do it. But God just takes it and says, I'll show you, I'll make you do it. Paul tried to run. Others tried to run. Many tried to do it. Moses tried to get away from it. We don't have much record of John. His father was a priest. It was a tradition in them days for the son to follow the father, his trade. But when John was born, a funny, odd, phenomenal birth, when he was conceived in his mother's womb, we know the story of Zacharias, how the angel said his wife would conceive. And when we find out that's what taken place, six months the baby hadn't moved. And Mary was visited by Gabriel and went up in Judea to salute her because Gabriel told her that she was pregnant. And when she got up there, she told her, she said, she'd hid herself. And when she met Mary, they put her arms around Mary and began to hug her as women do, really Christian women, believers, begin to hug her. And she said, um, uh, she seen she was big to be mother. And um, she said, you know, the angel of the Lord uh, told me I was to be mother too. And Mary, Martha, pardon me, Elizabeth said, it was, she's kind of worried. She said, because it's six months now and the baby hadn't moved. That's irregular. See, baby is practically what we call today dead. See, he's good as dead in his mother's womb. Six months, it troubled her. And, you know, John was six months older than Jesus, which was his second cousin. Mary and, and Elizabeth were first cousins. And then when we find that Elizabeth, Mary looked back her young face and she said, I'm going to have a child too. So, oh, you and Joseph are married. No, we're not married. And you're going to have a child. Yes, the Holy Ghost shall overshadow me. Paradox. <laughs> the Holy Ghost shall overshadow me. That holy thing will be called the Son of God. Said, Gabriel met me. And when he did, he said, I have a son and I call his name Jesus. And as soon as he said Jesus, little John began to leap in his mother's wombs. He received the Holy Ghost. The Bible said he's born from his mother's wombs, full of the Holy Ghost. The first time that name was ever called out of a human lip, a dead baby come to life in the womb of a mother. What ought it to do to a born-again church? That name, Jesus. Said, so come, when cometh the mother of my Lord? For as soon as thy salutation come to my ear, she heard his name. My baby leaped in the womb for joy. It's quite a phenomenon. It's a paradox. John did six months in his mother's womb come to life through the name of Jesus Christ. The first time it was ever spoke by human lip. Show that dead man would come to life by the name of Jesus Christ. Still a paradox. Not another name under heaven given among man whereby you must be saved. A paradox. Yes, John was a phenomenon. Looked like he would have went and carried out his father's, went to his school where his father was trained at. Being a Levite. Levite was the only ones could be in the priesthood. So John was a Levite. So it, ordinarily it was his traditional for him to go to the school of his father. But God had a, a work for him. He was to announce the Messiah. 
His work was too phenomenal for him to follow the traditions. I hope you're reading right. His work was too phenomenal. He couldn't go to their traditions and take up with their traditions. Everybody be saying, now, don't you think it, Brother Jones here is just a man to be the Messiah? We know that you're to announce him. Don't you think he's just the right kind of a man? It had been another Mathenus. But what did he do? He stayed in the wilderness. He had no education. John, like many of us today, he could not speak and use the words of grammar that we would express our inspiration by, or man, not myself. Probably most of us in here. Couldn't expect. What did he do? He had to go to nature to parallel it, to bring out his point. See? When he had the expression, he had to go to nature. Look, he, he said, Oh, you generation of vipers. What he'd seen snakes in the wilderness. He'd seen that's what they were. Generation of vipers. Now, an educated man would have had some other word, see, that he could use instead of that. But he expressed it by a snake. So don't think within yourselves that because we belong to this, <laughs> that you're going to mean anything to God. Or God's able of these stones, see, not to take some uh, theological word. He knows nothing about any seminary. He had his seminary in the wilderness and before God. It's strange that God would take a man like that. It's a paradox instead of all them fine educated priests that was in the schools. It's quite a paradox. God always works in paradoxes, in my opinion. The virgin birth was a paradox. A virgin conceived, bring forth a child. God made flesh. God changed his strand from, from spirit to become man. Man changed, he changed his tent, his dwelling place, and tabernacle. When Jesus is standing there and upon the shores of Galilee, John looked up and he saw the Spirit of God like a dove descending and a voice saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm pleased to dwell in. In whom I'm pleased to dwell, the same thing. Verb before the adverb is all, see? This is my beloved Son, in whom I am pleased to dwell in. God and man becoming one, uniting together for redemption. How God, it covered all space and time, could come down and bottle himself into a man. So he could taste death for all the human race. The Creator dying to save his creation. Heavens and earth kissed each other. Man and God became one. How can a man, that he might dwell in man in fellowship... It's nothing but God condescending, trying to get to his man. In the beginning, he was a father. He was above all. He was alone. He dwelled alone, Elohim. Even when he come down upon the mountain, even if an animal touched the mountain, it must die. But then he was made flesh, and we touched him, handled him. He did that in order to shed his blood, virgin blood, because we were born by sexual desire. He was born virgin birth. He wasn't the blood of a Jew. Neither was he a Gentile. He was God. Creative blood. See? Jew blood don't save us. Gentile blood don't save us. God's blood, the Bible says, saves us. He was God's blood. Some people said that he was that Mary conceived, and that was the, the egg belonged to Mary. The blood cell come from the male sect, which was God. That's wrong, too. If it is, look here. Then to bring that egg down, there had to be some kind of a sensation. Then what do you have God doing to Mary? He created both egg and blood. He was God. She was an incubator. She was only a barred womb. Like a barred grave to be buried in. He made all. See, had not a place to lay his head. He become our example what we should be. 
He never took sides with nobody, but did that which pleased the Father. Always. And the Father now dwells in us by His death. He sanctified a church that absolutely this church of clean, unclean, filthy, God condescend from a pillar of fire down to me made man and then the Holy Spirit right in us. Don't you see what it is? The same God coming down all the time. Now, God above us, God with us, God in us. Like the thoughts of God, the Word of God, and the manifestation of the Word. Just the same thing from the beginning. God thinking. A Father He was. A Son He was. A Savior He was. A Healer He was. The words are spoken. and it was manifested. Virgin shall conceive and bear a son. His name shall be called Emmanuel. Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And it was. And from that come forth that He might bring forth many sons unto God. The whole thing is God revealed. God above us. God with us. God in us. A paradox indeed. That God would dwell in man himself. Sure. He had to become that to die. To satisfy his own laws of righteousness. He predicted and said, the day you eat there of that day, you die. And he had to fulfill. He's nobody else could do it but himself. If, if he, the, today, in this day, I like to bring this, uh, the, the deity of Jesus Christ. Because that man tried to make him a prophet. Now, if he happens to be a Christian science sitting here, I'm not hurting your feelings. I hope I'm not. But we express so much upon evidences. We Pentecostals put our evidence upon speaking in tongues. And how bad we've been fooled in that. And how many of them says the fruit of the Spirit is the evidence? How badly you're fooled by that. No, sir. If you talk about speaking in tongues being the evidence of the Holy Ghost, which I do believe the Holy Ghost speaks in tongues. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but you say a man speaks of tongues got the Holy Ghost. We believe that for a while. But we find out it's wrong. Luther said those that said they believe. We found out that was wrong. Wesley said those got sanctified and shouted. We found out that was wrong. Pentecost said those that spoke with tongues. We found out that was wrong. The Christian science said the fruit of the Spirit is the evidence. We find out that that's wrong. I've seen witches and wizards drink blood out of a human skull and speak in tongues and lay a pencil on the table and write in unknown tongues and interpret it. Don't tell me about that. My mother's a half Indian. And I, I know I've seen it and dealt with it. Yet God does speak with tongues. But that's no infallible evidence that you got the Holy Ghost. Certainly not. No, indeed. The Christians, now let me, God forgive me for doing this. I'm going to put Jesus on a trial for you just a moment. If you'll forgive me, have I got that much time? Let's see. Just a moment. Just be a, yes, I'm, I'm 10 minutes past time, but I'll hurry and omit some of this. See, let's just try this just a minute, brethren. Our Heavenly Father, forgive me for this. I don't like to speak it, but it's so that people would know. I'm going to take it. I'm going against Jesus this morning, and I'm going to say you're a bunch of Jewish people, and Jesus just rolls up here in Baker's Field. Let me call you man together and talk to you about fruits of the Spirit. They believe that too. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness. Is that right? Fruit of the Spirit. Many people rely upon that. Sometimes that's the devil. He can impersonate that to the letter. He can impersonate speaking in tongues to the letter. Interpretation of it to the letter. Any of those gifts, he can impersonate it. Notice. I'm going to get, there's the priest. I'm going to talk to you all. Now, I'm taking sides against Jesus just a moment. I've asked God to forgive me just so that I can show you what I mean to bring out a point. I said, gentlemen, I'm here in behalf of your church this morning. I'm speaking to you all. Now, there's a young fellow in the city here by the name of Jesus of Nazareth. He's got a strange doctrine. 
We know our priest. Now we had to judge this by the fruit of the Spirit. This, your priest, his great-great-great-great-grandfather was a priest. He omitted all of his young life for the things that you all enjoyed when you were a young man. He omitted that to be a priest to God. What did he do by this? He studied. He done everything he could be to be a right kind of a man. Who was it stood by you when Papa and Mama was arguing? Let's go to separate. Who stood by Papa and Mama, put arms around one, one around the other, and brought them back together? Your faithful old priest out there. Your faithful old priest studied Jehovah's laws until he knows them in and out, in and out, in and out. He went through every seminary. He's got a doctor's degree, a bachelor of art. He's got, he's got a DDLL, PhD. He knows exactly what he's talking about. He studied for that while you, man, were running around. He studied because he's your leader. That all makes sense, brothers, if you're talking in a psychological way of it. It all makes sense. What school did this Jesus of Nazareth come from? He never had a day in school, as we know of. Where did he come from? No one knows. Here he comes around. Look at your old kind old priest. When your daddy ran out of money that time, didn't have no money, who did he go to? The man had the fruit of the Spirit, your kind old priest that loaned him the money to tithe him over till his crops come in. Who stood by you when your mother was in labor? Excuse me, sisters. And they thought she was going to die. Who held his hands up on her and prayed while you was being born in this world? Your kind old priest. Who lifted you up to Jehovah and circumcised you and helped you and made you and offered you to Jehovah? That kind old priest. And look what this Jesus of Nazareth done there. What he ever do for the fruit of the Spirit? Now, many of you are a businessman. You have, uh, you have business you share. You're merchants and, and so forth. Jehovah requires a lamb for your sins. You don't raise lambs. So what do these kind old priests did? So that your soul would not be lost. They had some sellers to go up there in the courts. Make little cages and put lambs in there that you could take your income that you would have done or made out of lambs, but you made on something else to keep our economy going. And they play, made a place so you, when you got sin burdened and you want to get released from your sins, this kind old priest had a place you could go buy a lamb. God didn't want your money. He said a lamb. And you went and bought a lamb. What did this Jesus of Nazareth done? Come and kick them things out and emptied them up and told them there's a den of thieves. Not much fruit of the Spirit there, is it? Your kind old priest never gets out of humor. This fellow plaited ropes together and kicked the tables over and run them out there and looked angered up on them. That's not fruit of the Spirit. Your kind old priest. Who's going to say the last words over you? Your kind old priest. Who's going to permit commit your soul to God? The kind old priest. See? Through the Spirit. And that fellow had none of them. Now you say, Brother Branham, I can stay a sermon on this, but I won't. What is the fruit of the Spirit? The manifestation of the promised Word. If they just to stop the look, he did not have these things that they had, fruit of the Spirit or anything. But the Word that was promised that day was manifesting itself. That was exactly the light of the hour. That was it. See? No matter how much education, how kind, how much you speak with tongues, how much kind, gentle, and everything you are, unless you accept that word of the hour, when it's manifested before you, you're in the same predicament. That might sound crude. I don't mean it that way. But it's truth. Just disbelief. All right. Now, God, forgive me. You see what I mean? Who had the fruit of the Spirit? Jesus. 
He said, search the scriptures you think they, in them you think you have eternal life. They testify me. They tell you who I am. He never even come out and say who he was. He didn't tell them. And why he got his congregation that great, he said, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, as I said last night, you have no life. Well, my, that congregation said, that guy's crazy. What with doctors and science? Well, that man tried to make cannibals. He never explained it. Amen. It was time for him to turn him down. Amen. Then he had a bunch of preachers hanging around him. Borderline believers. He said, well, what are you going to say when you see me ascend up from where I come from? Come from? Well, we seen the cradle you were born in, the city you were born in. We fish with you out here on the hills. You, we walk with you, talk with you, and you come from... Uh, my, now we know you're crazy. But real genuine faith don't move. Amen. Them disciples couldn't explain it, but they know there it was. Amen. See, it has to be something that God planted. had to be His thoughts before the foundation of the world. When He planned the whole redeemed, Ephesians 1, 1 to 5, He planned the whole thing before the foundation of the world, His thoughts, and this is the attributes of His thoughts. Look at Judas stand there as a clergyman up here, just walking in the light. Had power to heal the sick. Matthew 10 proves it. He sent them out and they come back rejoicing. And devil's a subject unto him. Judas with them. That's right. He said, don't rejoice that the devil's his subject, but your names are written on the Lamb's book of life. Judas is with them. But when he come to taking the full word of God, he turned it down. So does people today. See? Jesus said, man shall live by... Every word, not just one or two words, every word. You say, well, Brother Bram, I can go for part of it and I can't go. Then you got the interpreter Eve had. <laughs> he took every bit of it and interpreted it right, but one little phrase. It's got to be every bit of it. If the Bible says it that way, it's a no private interpretation. It's the way the Bible said it. And if God caused all this heartaches and sorrows and death of babies and crying and wars and things because His Word was doubted by one phrase, will He take you back in anything less than that? Think it over. He doesn't change. His first decision has to always remain that decision. That's the reason He deals with one individual, not with a group, one. He can't change it. Well, I got a whole lot to say here, but I... Uh, Jesus' death was a phenomena. It was a paradox. The resurrection was a paradox. We believe that. Everybody knows the resurrection was a paradox. God raised him up from the dead. The new birth is a paradox. That's right. can change a man's being. We preach a sermon right here in a little bit. See? How a, a paradox to take a man that's a disbeliever, unbeliever, has nothing to do with it, and all at once changed from a renegade to a saint, a prostitute to a sister. It's a paradox. No one can give him a medicine or a shot or a dose of medicine or anything else. It takes a hand of Almighty God and that alone to change a man. It's a paradox when a man is born again. That's right. As we get towards the end of this episode, we'll end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the paradox that you elected us to be your sons. To know that, Lord, we do not deserve it. We it's not, nothing good that we have to bring to you, but you chose us before the foundation of the world and you had the whole plan set out. And now it's just going through the motions and coming into fruition. Father, we thank you for the light of the day to recognize that all the spookiness of the day just fades away as the light shines brighter and brighter. For the light is a manifestation of your word. May that light of your word manifest in our lives 
He said, let your light so shine before men. May you help us to not be ashamed of the gospel, but to let our light so shine before men that they might recognize something different about us, that we know you not in the theory or the or the outlining of the scripture, which is wonderful, but we would like to say we know you in the power of your resurrection. For you said the gospel did not come in word only, but it came in power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. And that is the agent that will change us from this body corruptible into a body incorruptible. We know that there is one already waiting for us. So we look forward unto the great day. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you. Precious Lord, take my
We follow 
Precious dust.